Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Pete, and I get to be one of the pastors here at Epiphany Station. And we are in the month of April. You know what that means? That means that we have survived this 20-month winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, before we showed up last summer, and we came from southern Minnesota, but we were told that uh, the difference between winter here and down there is it's two weeks on either side. Well, they lied. It was more, more like six weeks. But anyway, we'll let that one be. This morning, we are going to complete our series on no fear. And the subject this morning is on the subject of death. Now, I want to preface this by introducing you, and some of you probably already know this custom, this tradition, but in many churches, and especially this time of year, but really throughout the year, uh, the pastor will say something like this, he is risen, and you will respond by saying, he is risen indeed. And so we're going to try this. We tried, we're going to have a little competition. I'm going to rate between the service number one, two, and three, and I'll get back to you next time on, on who was, uh, you know, per capita. You know, the, the first service wasn't as many people, so we won't expect as much volume. So you guys better, the volume... You better bring the volume, okay? All right. He is risen. He is risen. Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. We'll go with that. The subject of death. Certainly something that we can all relate to. Maybe not so much understand as relate to. And as we are assembled here this morning, I suspect that as we bring our own experiences to bear, some of you may be grieving, uh, and it may be very fresh. And some of you are maybe in the process of that grief, not sure how things are going to go. Or uh, it's perhaps at some future point down the road that we know not yet of, and, and therein lies the difficulty in grief, is that we don't know when it's going to come up. It can... Be, come so suddenly. And it's especially difficult when we don't have that opportunity to say goodbye to a loved one, but at the same time, it can be very, very hard, very, very difficult when it lingers and we just don't really know what to think anymore. But we know that we're going to miss that loved one or we miss that loved one and we make reference in different ways to things that remind us of things that we used to do with them. And it's not God's design in the first place that, that we would be separated. Death is something as a result of the sin in our lives all the way from the beginning back in, in Genesis. We know that was the case. And so there's this separation that has taken place. And the Bible is really all about God reconciling or bringing us back to himself in spite of ourselves, in spite of all the the stuff in our lives that's not right, the, the sin, everything that keeps us from having a relationship with our Father God. Three things I, I want to point out right at the get-go here. And as believers in Jesus Christ, this is what we're, we're referring to here. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you're a follower of him, you trust him, here's three truths about death. Number one, we will all experience it. 
it seems so simplified, but we, we need to, to note that. We will all experience death. We're not going to get away from it. Number two, God has given us a certain number of days. And if we look at Psalm 31, we read, My future is in your hands. That can be unnerving. And we don't know how many our days are. And yet, point number three, that's precisely why we can entrust our days, however many they are, however few they are, to a loving God. We can trust Him for that number. And just as we claim no fear in death, we can also claim no, or I'm sorry, as we claim no fear in life, we can also claim no fear in death. We can eliminate fear because we have a great hope in life after this death. Common question from the time we're small to the time we're very big. We wonder, what's it going to be like after this life? And if you're used to reading the Bible, you're growing up, maybe going to church or maybe not going to church, but but you have this concept of heaven. You have this concept of what life is like after death. We know not everybody shares that concept or that belief. There was a late actor named Philip Seymour Hoffman that said this, I think you should be serious about what you do because this is it. This is the only life you've got. So we turn to the Bible. What does the Bible tell us about life after death? Jesus had a conversation with his disciples. And it was at a time where he was about to go through tremendous suffering, agony, being whipped and beaten, about to die a criminal's Death, And he, over and over again, had expressed this to the disciples that this was all going to take place and they had a hard time coming to grips with it or understanding what he was referring to. But he says this about life after death in John chapter 14. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? There was a preacher whose name was Vance Havner. And I believe he had it right when he said this about life after death. He said, if you are a Christian, you are not a citizen of this world trying to get to heaven. You are a citizen of heaven making your way through this world. The Bible also talks about judgment. It talks about judgment in Hebrews chapter 9 when it says this, after a physical death, it says, and just as each person is destined to die once, and after that comes judgment. Judgment is not a thing that we often talk about in, in different circles. In fact, uh, in our culture, we're very, very much throwing out this idea of, of no judgments. But we're talking about God. We're talking about His Son, 
Jesus. We need, we need a reference point, uh, a means in which we can come to grips with why it was that Jesus came to earth in the first place as, as a little baby, grew up to be a strong man, a carpenter, for three years did a, an amazing ministry like no other, and then simply, simply, profoundly, to die on our behalf. Why did this have to take place? We get some insight when we read about what Jesus said on the cross when he cried out to his father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what we need to absorb, what we need to take time thinking about is is the agony that Jesus was feeling as, as much as physically when you're hanging like that, being crucified, you, you need to, you got to push up so you can breathe. Otherwise, you're suffocating. The, the, the torture is tremendous. But I believe that it was so much more than that, than the physical pain. It was the fact that Jesus became sin for us. Just think about that for a moment. Everything that you can conceive of as as evil, as bad, as wrong. And then we consider our own human heart, our own attitudes, our own uh, ability to to be selfish, to be unkind, to, to say things at the worst times, to be very harmful in our words and our actions and All of that, past, present, future, he bore for us. God does not tolerate sin. He does forgive it, thankfully. And so Jesus' sacrifice allows us to have a relationship with the Father. Life and death are the two biggest events in our lives. The day we are born and the day that we die are the bookends for everything that takes place in the decision-making process that we call life. And the way in which we face our departure from this earth will be the most important investment of our lives. To fear death seems sort of natural, but we don't need to fear death. It's God's desire that we would trust in what Jesus has done on our behalf and that he loves us completely because of that physical evidence that has been borne out through the sacrifice on the cross. But here's the deal. God doesn't force his love on us. So we have a God that is perfectly just and perfectly loving that does not force his love on us. And so he provides for us the freedom, the ability to either receive that love or to reject it. And this is why the subject of death is so important and and God's word, what it says about death. Because in its pages, it informs us that this life is not all there is. And just as 
Jesus reminded his disciples, and he really essentially says the same thing to all, all of us who trust in him that I prepared a place for you. We make reference to that as heaven, a place that's perfect and complete, void of all evil, it's only good, just as that place exists. So there is a place where God is not there, void of any presence of God. We call that hell. God's judgment is still a thing, and it always will be, but his judgment is met by the love that he sent to die for us. We don't need to fear dying because Jesus will guarantee our standing before our Father God. We don't need to fear death. 1 John chapter 5 says this, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have God's Son does not have life. Jesus has given us an example in how to face death. When on the cross he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. We can follow Jesus' lead when it comes to how we view our own death. He approached it head on and placed his spirit into the hands of his Father. Now make no mistake about it, death is the enemy. It was not God's design that we would be separated from him, but because of our own choices as as human beings, here's where we are. But we don't need to fear it because Jesus has built that bridge. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we call that the great resurrection chapter. We read these words. For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is risen. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. That won't be your last crack, so. All right. The great hope that every believer has. This is what Paul is telling us even today. Now, he wasn't always on board, the Apostle Paul. In fact, there was a time where he was the biggest adversary against Christianity, the biggest adversary against Jesus. And it wasn't until later, until God got a hold of his life, that he realized otherwise. If we look at these uh, words from 1 Corinthians 15, The Apostle Paul says this, Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and you still stand firm in it. It is the good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was most important, And what had also been passed on to me, Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. 
He was seen by Peter and then by the 12. And after that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. There's a reason why Christianity is alive and well today. It's because of the framework and the base of which we read about in Scripture that tells us, that reminds us, this was an actual event that really did take place. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. It goes on to say in verse 7, Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Paul put so much focus on the resurrection that he in fact hangs all his hope on it when he says this. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But because of the resurrection, there's hope in life after this life. He is risen. Better. This is the crux of what, in, of, of what he intends for his people to know him in this life and to live with him for eternity. Some of you have been reading Hebrews chapter 11. We mentioned that a couple weeks ago. And in its pages is contained a list of people that by faith trusted God. And so some would refer to Hebrews chapter 11 as, as the faith hall of fame. And we look in Hebrews chapter 12, and, and, and if, if you just picture uh, a gallery, and it has an upstairs and a downstairs, and it's filled with people, and these people are cheerleaders, okay? And so they're coming alongside those people that are living out this life and trying, seeking to live it out in a way that honors God. And here's what it says in Hebrews chapter 12. Since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Pretty much all the early apostles, the disciples, were martyred. Martyred simply means to bear witness. They were bearing witness to the truth that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and resurrected from the dead Put your trust in him. And as a result, they would lose their lives, but they were not fearful of death. As we reflect on the history of the church and those who have gone before us, we can appreciate the deep sacrifices made and the way in which lives stood in the face of death. Truth of the matter is, while we have, still have, Many freedoms in this country, 
freedoms to do even what we're doing here today. We don't know what's ahead in the future. I don't say that to to scare us. I, I say that as a means of preparing. We don't know what's ahead. We don't know what we're going to be called to have to face. But we know the one who does know. About 500 years ago, at the time of the Reformation, time of Martin Luther, and Fox's Book of Martyrs just uh, speaks to this individual as the Protestant gentleman. Doesn't give a name. He was about to face execution for his faith in Jesus. And this man whispered in his ear, who was in a place of influence apparently, he said, as you have a great reluctance publicly to abjure your faith, whisper your confession in my ear and I'll absolve your sins, I'll forgive your sins. But this Protestant gentleman went on to say, trouble me not, I have confessed my sins to God and obtain absolution through the merits of Jesus Christ. And he looks to the executioner and he says, let me not be pestered with these men, but perform your duty. And shortly after, he died. How shall we best deal with death? Every Sunday we have next step putting feet to what we hear, trying to make it stick. And it's just simply this that I want to leave with you. Embrace life. Embrace life. And, and there, there, there's, while it's not only negative things in our lives, thankfully there's, there's a lot of joy-filled things as well. But we're focusing here on, on the negative things because the ability for us to embrace life is, 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 is to embrace everything. Everything that God permits that he allows us to experience. However painful it is, however difficult, even however traumatic, however disappointing, he's deeper still. Embrace life. Death has no power over us as believers as followers in Jesus Christ. He is risen. Look at Hebrews 2. And it just tells us again who Jesus is and what he did and is doing in our lives. It says this in Hebrews 2, verse 14. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, The Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We embrace life so that when death comes to us, we can trust that God will be near that we will go to him upon that death as we breathe our last and he will say the words, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we live for. Knowing that it isn't because I, I was so smart, it's not because I, I tried so hard, no, 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 no. 
No, it's because I rested in what he could do. He could give me the ability to embrace life and to face death head on. So number one, all of us will die. Number two, God has given each of us a certain number of days. Thirdly, we can trust him for that number. As we have the opportunity this morning to receive communion, this is a reminder. And Scripture teaches us, tells us the importance of, of doing this act. It reminds us of the tremendous sacrifice when Jesus was on the cross. Why, Lord, have you forsaken me? He did that for us. The depth of his love is far greater than the rotten things in our lives, even our hearts. And so if you you placed your faith and you're trusting in that resurrection power today, this time is for you to participate. And I invite you just to simply come up in the middle and disperse to either side. There will be uh, bread and a gluten-free option as well. And, and grape juice to take with you. You bring that back uh, along the side aisles. Bring that back to your seat. And as you feel led, you take that bread and that cup. There, there's, there's no one uh, certain time to do it. It's just as you feel led to do. Now, if you've not yet made that decision, or you don't know that you trust Jesus, please just have, you have permission, feel free just to stay seated and to just take this time in. We'll be listening to uh, some singing here shortly, continuing to worship with music, after which our our communion time is complete, then our, our prayer team will be uh, present here as well to pray with you of any concerns that you have. Maybe you need some certain direction in your lives. Maybe, maybe God is doing something in your life. You just want to share it with somebody. Or maybe you do want to talk to somebody about a relationship with Jesus Christ. These are all opportunities for all of us this morning. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, that... As you have said to us, we can trust you in life. We can also trust you in death. Lord, help us with these deep concerns. Help us if we're, some of us are in the process of grief. Thank you, Lord, that you are greater, you are more powerful than our grief and that you conquered death once for all. In Jesus' name, amen.